Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter Audiocast. I'm your host, Dr. M. This is volume 13, issue number 41, for the week of September 25th of 2023. This week, we're going to look at a literature review, covering some of the new cutting-edge articles. We're going to talk about food addiction, and then end with a recipe of the week. But let's start with some free thoughts. The simplest way forward is to accept the day as it is. Embrace it, frankly. Move through it. Pursue what your heart desires today, no matter the way the day presents itself. It is just a day, and you have the ability to make it what you will. That is so true. Really, truly, every day is what we make of it. There's nothing more to be said about that. Do the best you can, no matter what. All right, let's talk about some of the literature review cases of the week. First one. This is an important paper for all of us to understand as it relates to disease prevention. From Nature Communications, we see, quote, here we show, using deeply phenotyped participants in the child birth cohort, that there are early life influences and microbiome features which are uniformly associated with four distinct allergic diagnoses at five years of age, atopic dermatitis, asthma, food allergy, and allergic rhinitis. In a subset with shotgun metagenomic and metabolomic profiling, we discover that impaired one-year microbiota maturation may be universal to pediatric allergies. Extending this, we find a core set of functional and metabolic imbalances characterized by compromised mucus integrity, elevated oxidative activity, decreased secondary fermentation, and elevated trace amines to be a significant mediator between microbiota maturation at one year and allergic diagnosis at five years. Microbiota maturation thus provides a focal point to identify deviations from normative development to predict and prevent allergic disease. This comes to us from Hoskin Sun et al., 2023 Nature Communications. So what's my take on this? Over the past 15 years, we have noticed a huge connection between the intestinal microbiome and then allergic or autoimmune diseases in humans. This study continues to pull on this thread of knowledge. We see a direct correlation between a dysbiotic microbiome and human disease risk as young as five years of age. The upstream targets remain the same. Healthy food, avoidance of chemicals, consistent daily movement, exposure to normal macrobes and microbes, chronic stress mitigation, vaginal deliveries, breastfeeding, and avoidance of antibiotic and acid medicines, and more. Fundamentally, that is the route to health. Number two. COVID vaccine-associated myocarditis has been noted for years now. The risk is higher in postpubertal males post-vaccine than natural infection. The study by you in circulation looked at teenage boys with a presentation of vaccine-induced myocarditis noting left ventricular function, EKG changes, and then a one-year follow-up. Most of the patients completely resolved all symptoms, including echocardiographic findings as well as EKG abnormalities. However, a subset of them were noted at a year to have signs of fibrosis and ventricular deformations in their hearts. This remains an unknown as to how this will affect these individuals long term. However, fibrosis is never good and portends loss of function in those tissues potentially over time as age causes more cellular senescence. So that comes to us from you et al. 2023 in circulation. Number three, people with blood type A remain at higher risk for contracting SARS-2. The science is showing that the SARS-2 virus uses the blood group A antigen to gain access to our respiratory epithelial cells. The SARS-2 receptor binding domain preferentially binds to the ACE2 receptor and the blood group A antigen. 
if it binds to the A antigen that makes the cell surface stickier for the binding of the ACE2 receptor, which is a vital part, uh, portal of entry. Sort of an affinity frequency increased effect is what it sounds like to me. So interesting to know if you're blood group A, you have a higher risk of developing SARS-2 infection. Now, interesting enough, with Omicron, it appears that that's basically a common cold for most people unless you have metabolic disease, but nonetheless worth knowing. So that comes to us from Immunology, the journal Immunology from Gaskill et al., 2023. Number four, current allergic disease incidence was looked at in a large research study from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. They found that 10% of children average age four months developed atopic dermatitis, 4% average 13 age of months for IgE-mediated food allergy, 20% 13 months of age for asthma, 20% 26 months of age for allergic rhinitis, and 0.1% 35 months of age for eosinophilic esophagitis. Food allergy incidence was peanut 2%, egg just under 1%, shellfish at 0.6%. This comes to us from the journal Pediatrics, Gabryshevsky et al. 2023. This data set is lower for food allergy than many other studies, begging the question of criteria used to diagnose its in disparate study results. Overall, the study points to a continuing trend towards more disease. Look for an upcoming podcast with Dr. Gabryshevsky as he will be on the interview uh, chair in a couple of weeks. All right, section two, are we addicted to food? In a cell metabolism paper this year, we see the following translational research abstract, quote, Western diets rich in fat and sugar promote excess calorie intake and weight gain. However, the underlying mechanisms remain unclear. Despite a well-documented association between obesity and altered brain dopamine function, it remains elusive whether these alterations are, one, pre-existing, increasing the individual's susceptibility to weight gain, two, secondary to obesity, or three, directly attributable to repeated exposure to Western diet. To close this gap, we performed a randomized controlled study with normal weight participants exposed to a high-fat, high-sugar snack or a low-fat, low-sugar snack for eight weeks in addition to their regular diet. The high-fat, high-sugar intervention decreased the preference for low-fat food while increasing brain response to food and associative learning independent of food cues or reward. These alterations were independent of changes in body weight and metabolic parameters, indicating a direct effect of high-fat, high-sugar foods on neurobehavioral adaptations that may increase the risk of overeating and weight gain, end quote. In a well-written Scientific American paper from this month, we see a breakdown of the science of processed food addiction. What's more, both, excuse me, quote, what's more, both illegal drugs and processed foods can induce cravings in the same reward areas of the brain as demonstrated by the 2023 Functional and Magnetic Resonance Imaging Study. When researchers showed pictures of cocaine to drug addicts or photographs of donuts to healthy people, the same brain regions ranging from ventral striatum and amygdala to the cerebellum lit up in both groups. And the stronger the volunteers reported craving was, the more intense their neural response was as well. This is a critical piece of the story. If we begin to develop biomarkers or algorithms for food addiction, we can start to treat individuals ahead of the risk of disease, period. In the Nature Neuroscience study, we see accuracy of around 80 plus percent in machine prediction of addiction type eating behaviors. This comes just from Coban et al. 2023 in the Nature Neuroscience. Uh, the Scientific American articles, articles from Zaraska, Z-A-R-A-S-K-A. Another hallmark of addiction is withdrawal with removal of the consumed product. Several studies have noted addiction withdrawal from processed foods in children. Headaches, fatigue, jitteriness, lack of motivation have all been noted. The bottom line remains a simple truth. Humans have lived for millions of years in the absence of processed and addictive foods. Thus, our biology is not geared to handle them. 
Food companies have leveraged scientists to learn how to manipulate our need for calories for survival into a food type that accesses the regions of the brain that cause addiction. And for us, that means addiction to food. Everywhere we turn, food is presented to us in a lovely package and form that is mouth and sensory pleasing, leading to a mismatch of need and desire. This all in time leads to metabolic derangements and an unhealthy population contracting lifespan and definitely contracting health span. Something to think about. Section three of the recipe of the week is vaca frita by the gypsy plate. I love that word, vaca frita. This, de- this dish is delicious and comes from the island of Cuba. My roommate in residency, Carlos Armengal, made a slight variation of this dish called ropa vieja. Both versions are fantastic. Give it a whirl. The link is in the newsletter, and I hope you all check it out. All right, that's it for this week. Song of the week is U2's Pride, another great one. All right, everyone, as always, hug those kids. Have a great day. The information provided in this newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional. It is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. This newsletter does not constitute development of a provider or patient relationship. Have a great day.